yes! Philadelphia Eagles! They came! They saw! They conquered! Burn the ships! Zach Ertz said, burn the ships! Burn them all! You know, we said it all along. Bob, you and I. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Carson Wentz, top five quarterback in the National Football League. He would stand up in the face of adversity and lead this team to a division crown. Now, it hasn't happened yet. There is one game to go. But we said it, Bob. And while our friend Kevin Kincaid, who apparently has the flu again, is not here to defend himself, Anthony Sanfilippo, who's been very anti-Carson Wentz, is right here. Welcome into Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Across from me, let me start with my Carson Wentz-loving colleague, Bob Wankel. Find him on Twitter, at Bob Wankel CB. My takes have always been fair on Carson Wentz, at least on this radio show. <laughs> Some things that get said in private might be a little bit different, but I am not a Carson Wentz hater. Guy played well yesterday. Hats off to him. And next to me... The man, the myth, the legend, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter, at AntSanPhilly. I'm going to say something in just a minute here, Russ. But before I do, I just want you to know that you know, you're sitting here ripping poor Kevin Kincaid for having the flu for the second week in a row. But he has taken the time while he's laying home under, I'm sure, countless blankets with hot water bottles surrounding him to get on the phone and call us to be part of the program. I've got an ice pack on my head. I've got <laughs> Mucinex in my bloodstream. Uh, I drank all the orange juice in Fishtown. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I got like 11 posts up today, too. I think it's a new uh, daily record for crossing broad, so uh, take that for data. The, there you go. The adage of quality, not quantity, has been lost on Kevin Kincaid. The machine! <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. But here's what here's all I have to say about the Eagles from my perspective. It was what, 7 weeks ago, right prior to the New England game, I think it was, where I sat here and told you guys, I used some extrasensory perception or ESP <laughs> telling you that Carson Wentz would lead this team to a division title. And I, I'm one week away. I'm one win away from being Nostradamus. So you guys can sit here and, and complain all you want, whenever you want. It's totally fine. I'll be here, and I, I'm, Kevin will help me when he's actually in studio and not you know, dying on the other end of the phone. He will help me bring some rational perspective to this program. Is Kevin heavy breathing over yeah. there? Like, what is that? Yeah. Kevin, what are you doing? He can't breathe uh, out of he's, his nose, he's, so it's all it's Oh, all you know mouth. what? Do you, yeah. you remember, like, when you had the flu as a kid, you would, like, stick your head in the freezer? You guys ever do that? Like, to try to get the nasal cavity cleared up? No. I think that's what's happening. <laughs> Sounds like we have Darth Vader on the line right now. <laughs> I might have a bum line or something going on here. I'm speaking. I actually have a landline. I don't know anybody. You're okay when you me. talk. A landline yeah. in 2019, soon to be 2020. Maybe I'll try to back away from the phone when I'm not talking. How about that? I didn't know they. I didn't know they allowed them in Fishtown. Well, yeah, some people have them. Believe it. Believe it or not. So it's like you can get the uh, the, the bundle. You know, they make you pay for the TV, the internet, and the phone. But nobody ever wants the phone. But you end up getting the phone anyway, just because it's cheaper. It's yeah. cheaper to get all three of the damn things instead of just paying for two of them anyway. There you go. But uh, let's do some rational talk about Carson Wentz. How about that? Yeah. Go ahead, Kev. Go ahead. You take take it away. Listen, they're just simplifying the game for him and they're they're doing things that are 
that help him get into a rhythm earlier in the game. You know, they're not asking him to do too much. You know, they come out yesterday, they start him under center. You know, they play some tempo, get him up to the line, uh, quick reads, you know, easy tosses, screens, flares, you know, little dump downs, things like that. You know, it's easier for him to get moving, I think, and find the rhythm of the game when he's when he's naturally you know, making those three-step drops, five-step drops. Uh, and then it's easier to kind of start rolling him out of the pocket a little bit, roll him right, bootleg him left. You know, versus, you know, when, when Doug Peterson puts him in the shotgun, they're kind of static. You know, he gets a snap. He looks around for a little bit. He gets flat-footed. I think just naturally, you know, him as a mover and a guy who's good at throwing on the move and making plays with his legs, which we saw a bunch of yesterday. There were two actually zone reads that they pulled off and a couple of scrambles he had. But he just doesn't doesn't he just seem to find the game so much better when um, you know they simplify it and they dumb it down. Now I don't want to say dumb it down. Dumb it down is actually probably the word the wrong like idea, but just to kind of like naturally get him moving a little bit, you know, on those first two drives, he looked pretty good. And I think it just helps him, helps him settle into the game a little bit more. I think that you're right. And you look at what he's done now the last three games. He's completing 71% of his passes, 303 yards per game, passing six touchdowns, no picks, 104.5 quarterback rating. And, you know, as a guy that I guess has been a little bit critical of him throughout the course of the year, I got to say, like, what we're seeing with him now is what I had expected throughout the season. And, you know, I know that this coaching staff, and this is where I want to start. I know that we're all focused on Carson Wentz, and and he was fantastic yesterday. I mean, I, I really did. I thought he played a great game, despite the fact that they only scored 17 points. But I look at this coaching staff and the heat that it took, and here we are now again with this late-season surge, and I kind of alluded to this last week. People were like, you know, is this staff good enough? Is this head coach? Is he somebody that just lucked into it in 2017? But again, similar to last season, they had all the reason in the world to pack it in. And they rebounded, and what you're seeing is when the stakes are at their highest, this coaching staff, and, and Doug Peterson specifically, have, has crafted a game plan to maximize what's left of this offense. And I think it's been extraordinarily impressive, probably as equally impressive as what they were able to do with Nick Foles. Isn't it interesting that in the last couple of years, they've gotten better as the year goes on by taking stuff out of the playbook? Yeah. You know, and simplifying and kind of going to bread and butter and basics. I mean, the defense did that, too. That can extend, extend to the defense yesterday and what they did to take away Zeke Elliott as well. But it's just fascinating. I mean, and I wonder then if the coaching staff looks back at the end of this year and they say, look, this is what we did at the end of 2019. This is what we did at the end of 2018. Yeah, maybe we try to come into this season doing this and keep it keeping it simple and just going bread and bread and butter and trying to expand as necessary. How much, but, Kev? Do, how much yeah. of this do you attribute to the fact that it's um, you know the chemistry's better with younger players that are hungrier that may have his back as opposed to some of the other nonsense that you heard about or that this team was dealing with at the end of last season and then trickled over into this season. Or how much of it do you really just think is about the simplification of, of the game plan? Like, is there a chemistry thing at play here, or is this really just about, hey, we don't have a lot to work with, we have to kind of go West Coast 101 here and, and keep it simple? It's probably both. I mean, it probably has to do with both of those things. You know, when you got guys like Greg Ward and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Dallas Goddard, it's easier for Carson Wentz to exert his influence or uh, – um, what's, a, what's a better word for influence, you know, to build a trust or a bond with those guys because he's been in the league longer than those guys have. 
you know, it's easier to get those guys to buy into what he's selling versus a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, who's been in the league for longer, Nelson Aguilar, who's been in the league for for longer, you know. So I, I think it's probably probably both of those kinds of things. But, you know, again, it's just – it's it's and Carson, too, is just trusting, trusting guys to go up and make plays, too. I mean, the ball that he threw to J.J. Arrethega-Whiteside – on the first drive, I guess, you know, that like 20, 25 yard, whatever, where it looked like fourth and 26 with Freddie Mitchell going up and grabbing the ball. That's not a pass that he would have thrown in the last couple of weeks. So it's probably both of those things. But yeah, isn't it ironic that, you know, everybody's sitting here thinking that like Alshon Jeffrey is like Josina Anderson's source or something like that. And he goes out of the game, uh, you know, and Carson Wentz starts playing well again, although Alshon did have the good game a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, it was funny to me was when they did the, um, that mic'd up segment with Carson after the Redskins game, he was doing a lot of talking on the sideline with Dallas Goddard. You know, they had the Dakota connection, you know, one North, one South, obviously. But again, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, he's kind of younger. You know, he's, he's not, if, if there was this, this issue with, with what Santa Clita was talking about in the locker room kind of being fractured, then it's easier for Carson to just deal with some guys who are a little bit underneath of him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I, I, go ahead, Russ. I think this comes back to a question that we asked a week ago. Nelson Aguilar was not active in this game, presumably might be ready to go this week. But given the way that the chemistry appears to have continued to develop with his tight ends, with Greg Ward, with Arthago Whiteside to some extent, if Nelson Aguilar can play this week, do you mess with the chemistry? Because I, I know I said last week I wouldn't, and I'm still in that camp, barring there being an injury to one of these tight ends that knocks him out of this game like if you see a, la- a late scratch of Zach Ertz for whatever reason like then maybe you have to but this almost resembles what happened a few years ago with Seattle where there were a lot of Russell Wilson detractors in the locker room and what did they do they did the right thing as the organization they purged a lot of the naysayers of Russell Wilson changed the culture brought in younger guys who were who who openly embraced their quarterback and all of a sudden it changed the franchise's direction. To me, I kind of look at it the same way. I don't know if Nelson Aguilar is a detractor. I don't know what his relationship with Carson Wentz is. But what I do know is right now, the level of trust that Wentz is showing on deep balls to Ortega Whiteside uh, on contested catches, what he's showing in his willingness to throw down the field to Greg Ward and to Dallas Goddard tells me like, maybe you just don't mess with this. Yeah, here's my take on this. And uh, you saw, I don't know if you guys caught it, Jay Ajayi was released by the team uh, earlier this afternoon, and Jordan Howard's going to play on Sunday per Adam Schefter. And what that's going to do, it frees up a, a roster spot on the 53. And presumably they're going to activate some wide receiver in this situation. I don't think that this team wants to go into this game on Sunday with three wide receivers as they did the past two weeks. Maybe maybe they do. I don't know if Nelson Aguilar is able to play. My thought would be, again, and I said this last week, if he can play, he doesn't have to be the focal point of the game plan. He doesn't need six to eight touches, but if he can dress, he should be out there. He should be out there, yeah. And, uh, well, Jordan Howard's probably going to play according to Schefter yeah yeah so that's that's another guy who's going to get back into the lineup so if Aguilar comes in somebody else is going to probably have to come out hey Kevin well, let me ask you oh, let ahead. me ask you ask it to you this way so J.J. Ortega Whiteside played about 62 percent of the snaps yesterday uh Robert Davis played about 40 percent Greg Ward played 71 percent the, the problem with Aguilar coming back is that obviously we know he's the best in the slot. He's actually been pretty good in the slot when he's been able to play there. You know, the last few years he hasn't been able to because he's been covering it at other spots for injuries. 
Greg Ward played 71%. You're going to have redundancy with Ward and Aguilar probably both being best in the slot. So if you had a situation where Greg Ward was all, was still getting 71% of the snaps and Ortega Whiteside was getting 62%, and then you had Aguilar kind of as your wide receiver three as the guy who knows more of the offense and who can you know cover roles, would you be fine with that if it was split like 70% Ward? 60% Arcega Whiteside, then Aguilar comes back and plays like 40%. Would that work for you? Yeah, I, I would I would prefer him over Davis, I think. not, And that's not a knock on Davis. It's just that Robert Davis is Robert Davis, right? And I would, right, and I, you still I, think yeah. they're going to go. I mean, even Josh Perkins is the third tight end, got 39% of the snaps yesterday. And that's when Zach Ertz and, and Dallas Goddard were up in the 80 to 90% range. So I don't I don't really think it matters all, all that much because they're probably still going to lean on the running backs and the screen game and 12 personnel. So – with Howard likely to play on on Sunday, do you like we're talking about chemistry and does Nelson Aguilar dis, disrupt chemistry? Does Jordan Howard coming back disrupt this late season surge that we've seen from Miles Sanders? I I don't know about you, man, but like for me, I can't remember a rookie just taking off in December like this. Usually these guys hit the wall week 13, week 14, and it's been a, the complete opposite for Miles Sanders. I mean, he was a guy that looked like he lacked explosiveness. He always seemed like a little bit unsure of himself. But the more that this guy's played and the more that the Eagles have put on his shoulders, I mean, he has just taken this thing and, and ran with it. He was sensational again yesterday. Yeah, listen, if Miles Sanders, Miles Sanders ran the ball 20 times in the game, uh, Carson Wentz actually had a couple of those zone reads that I was talking about, and then Boston Scott had the three runs, and uh, Greg Ward had the Wildcat, right? So that made up your 30 runs. Uh, Sanders, I'd say you could probably still give him 16 or 17 carries while finding, you know, eight or nine for Howard. I mean, I think there's still room for, for both of them there. And Sanders. You know, you can justify having Sanders on the field for even more than you did yesterday. He played 59 snaps yesterday, 82%. Howard comes in and has a couple runs, first down runs, short yardage runs, stuff like that. You can still get Sanders on there as a passing threat, put him in the slot, do some things that you were doing with Sanders when, when Howard was healthy, you know. It's hard to say what Howard is now, but I think people got to remember that he was really, really good those couple weeks leading into uh, you know, leading into the bye week and the injury, so... If you're giving me, you know, if, if I had to pick like Aguilar or Howard or whatever, which one is more important to work back or whatever, I'd I'd, I'd put a lot more stock into Jordan Howard. You know, I don't I don't think that's much of a hot take, but I think he gives you a lot more there. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Kev, kind of get your take on is the other side of the ball uh, on defense. I mean, we, we a lot of people have given uh, Jim Schwartz a lot of grief, and then yesterday I thought his game plan. Um, was fantastic. I think that he recognized that Dak Prescott does not adjust to changes within you know the defensive formation or the defensive setup quickly enough to mm-hmm. to make certain plays. And so basically, what I mean by that is he would he was disguising guys dropping off or moving you know whether the safety was cheating up looking like he was going to come up and shut down the run and then he drifted off or the nickel corner looked like maybe he was going to blitz and then pulled back and into like a zone and I think that really kind of kept Dak guessing and I think that that maybe more so than I know we talked about Dak's injury but I think that that the way that the Eagles kind of mixed things up on him was more caused more of his inaccuracy yesterday than the fact that maybe he was dealing with a minor shoulder injury. 
Yeah, I think so, too. You know, and they had Malcolm Jenkins up there in the box doing a lot of what he does really well up there. He had the big pass breakup, I think, on the first Dallas driver, the second Dallas driver, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, when they're when they're mixing and matching there and they're showing you a lot of different looks, they'll put seven or eight guys up there. They'll have three of them standing up or even four of them standing up sometimes, drop a couple guys in his own coverage. They've even had defensive ends kind of uh, kind of passing off and making it look like they're rushing, and then they'll come in from the weak side instead. Yeah, I thought they just did a really good job with that, you know, and I, and I don't know, you know, there was a time, you know, I guess it was three minutes left in the second quarter where Zeke Elliott had negative one rushing yards. Yeah. And he started to pick it up in the second quarter, and then, you know, Dallas, for whatever reason, didn't really keep up with that, you know? I, I'm not really sure why, because it looked like he was getting going there for a ba- little while. Bad coach, maybe? <laughs> bad coach, yeah. Well, that's why I wrote in the story, I'm like, Jim Schwartz... Kellen Moore uh, and Jason Garrett, they all did a fantastic job. I actually want to talk a little bit about the media reaction to this game uh, in a a little bit, but one of the things that kind of just amazed me, you know, was we talked about this last week. Russ was saying, you know, I don't see a scenario, and I'm not picking on you, Russ, here, but like you had said, I don't see a scenario in which the Eagles can win this game, and I just kept coming back to this is what the Cowboys are. It's not that I'm supremely confident in the Eagles. It's that this coaching staff of Dallas is terrible, this team doesn't have it. They don't play together. They waste their talent. And, I mean, it was just on full display. To me, it was the, the most predictable outcome of the week. I mean, and, and you know, not to really make this a gambling thing, but when you saw 75 80% of the action sitting on Dallas and that line just stuck at one and a half to two and it never even crept back up to three, I mean, the writing was on the wall there. If I may, my name was said. I would like 45 seconds to respond. Um <laughs> You're right. I said I, I I could not envision a scenario where this goes where, where it would have gone sideways for the Cowboys, and I the the offensive ineptitude that was on full display on Sunday afternoon was mind boggling. The overmatched coaching. I mean, look, I don't watch Dallas every week, right? I only know what I see, what I, I'm able to watch. When you look at how healthy Dallas was going into that game. The, the set of weapons that Dak Prescott has available to him at any given point. And then you look on the other side and you see Carson Wentz rolling out there with, I don't know, like the cast of the longest yard. There's no way that, that Philly should have won that game. And it just speaks to what a mess Dallas is. But it's like at some point you have to show heart too, right? Like one of the big ones that came out after the game was that Amari Cooper was effectively benched. And the 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 Dallas organization didn't want it to to appear as though Amari had been benched, but it was like pretty clear that the way that the the routes they were calling for him, especially, they were taking him out of the game plan. And when you go into the game, who are the two people that you're probably trying to prepare the most for? It's Ezekiel Elliott and then shutting down Amari Cooper. Yeah. And and the Eagles did a great job of getting both of those guys out of this game. And what we saw is Dak Prescott is not able for whatever reason, physical gifts, good offensive line was not able to elevate the, the level of play of the other receivers on that team, which, by the way, Gallup probably is, what, the the top wide receiver on this team if, if he's in Philly? Oh, uh, Michael Gallup's number one receiver for the Eagles if he's, if he's, he's pretty, there He's right a pretty now. solid receiver. Yeah. He is. And he's so really good. Even Randall Cobb, all, all you know, injury issues aside, definitely not in the prime of his career. He'd probably be the second best receiver on this Eagles team. The weapons that Dak had available to not be able to utilize them, it's like, are are the physical gifts not enough? How much of it had to do with coaching? My God, like to to walk out of this game 
against this team and to watch the way that the Eagles' defense has kind of has collapsed for the last few weeks and not be able to score a touchdown in the biggest game of your season where you could have locked up the division, that was mind-boggling to me. Yeah, they made a ton of mistakes, man. You know, every time I write the big Monday morning column, we do an entry where it's like, here's the Eagles' mistakes that they made and here are some of the breaks that they got from the other team to counter it out, you know, to balance it out, right? The list for Dallas this morning was crazy. Uh, you know, Jason Witten had that second down drop. Uh, Jeff Heath uh, led with the helmet, which is why they got that late, that, that flag for unnecessary roughness when he hit somebody out of bounds. Uh, Amari Cooper had the third and four drop. Tony Pollard had the third down fumble. Uh, Dak missed a wide open Amari Cooper on third down. Uh, Randall Cobb had that big drop. Uh, Prescott missed Tavon Austin wide open in the fourth quarter, which would have went for a touchdown. I had a, a West Virginia heart attack there for a moment when I saw a, a <laughs> one, one Mountaineer cook another Mountaineer in the open field. And then a Gallup with the fourth quarter drop on the ball that hit his hands. You know, I felt like I was watching like the Eagles. And I was just having, I had this moment probably in the second quarter where, you know, it's like a revolving door of, of Eagles going in and out of the, the blue medical tent, right? Was it like Jalen Mills and then Zach Ertz? I think Fletcher Cox spent a minute in there. I was like, oh, God, here we go. You know, it's 10 to 6 going into halftime. You know, they had a couple weird third down calls, the third and one and the fourth and one. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? It's like inevitable, right? But uh, Dallas, man, was just totally inept. You know, it's just, they just looked like soft, you know? Um, it's weird to think that the Eagles came out and, you know, just played harder and seemed to want it more and just looked like there was more on the line for him but hey man it's nice to see the other team be inept and out of sync for once so here's a concern that i have uh let me read some numbers to you here 38 37 13 37 and 27 uh that is the amount of points allowed on the road by the eagles defense uh going back to early october Really, yeah. that Buffalo game was the the one game the defense has showed up on the road for you know the last two plus months. I look at what the Giants did yesterday to a bad Washington team that we just recently saw as well. Uh, you know, can this team get it together and, and carry something over defensively from what we saw yesterday? Because they haven't this season, and and that's the thing that kind of keeps me up at night. Now, you look at it, they come into this game, they're a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The Giants' defense is just absolutely terrible. They were brutal again yesterday. My concern is that Doug Peterson's going to come into this game and say, like, okay, my passing offense, my offense can, can do whatever it wants to the Giants here, and they employ a similar – I guess game plan to what we saw down in Miami, and this turns into a 60-plus point game. The Eagles, I think, yesterday were so brilliant in keeping it conservative, keeping it short and quick, dictating time of possession. That's how this team is going to have to win, and we've seen that now the last three weeks. It's kind of like a muck and grind. That's what they have to do. I'm afraid that they're going to say this is a bottom-five pass defense. We're going to be able to expose it and then they're going to try to turn this into a wide-open game and it's going to get out of hand because they, they can't win that game. And that's my concern now. Are we thinking that it's going to be a shootout with, with Daniel Jones with the NFC East on the line? Is this it, really what the season it, it, has, it, has come down to? To me, it feels like that's where it's going. It really does. It well, does. I mean, I you know, I think I trust the Eagles a, l a little bit more. You know, honestly, I thought, you know, I, th I thought Doug Peterson – kind of was the reason why they didn't put more points up on the board yesterday. I mean, you could point to Jake Elliott missing a couple of those field goals and so what, it would have been 20-23 to 9 or whatever, right? But, um, you know, the third and one call to throw the ball, go five wide, 
then they lost yardage on that play and ended up uh, punting, I guess. And then on the next series, the fourth drive, you know, third and one, and then they threw on fourth and one again. Um, I don't know. It feels like sometimes Doug just, just overthinks it a, a little bit, and I, I hope it doesn't get to one of those things where, look, we know the offense is cooking and they're playing well now. If they come out and score on the first drive against the Giants or they go up 10-7 or 10-3 or something like that, good. Um, but keep doing what you're doing. You know, I, I don't want to see them get away from the under center play action uh, you know, the screens, you know, throw Greg Ward in the wildcat again. You know, I I, I, I trust the Eagles to beat the Giants in, in a shootout, but, you know, D- Doug Peterson, I think, for as, as much as he's done positive over the last couple of weeks, I feel like he did kind of get in the way a little bit in the second quarter last night. There's more to get into about this game. We're going to do it on the other side, plus a few other things. If you want to get in on the phone lines, 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. This is Crossing Broadcast on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. We're back here on Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Bob, I've got some breaking news for you. Oh, do you? Kanker on the phone. I got some breaking news for you, too. Oh, good. DraftKings Sportsbook is officially available in Pennsylvania. As the trusted leader in daily fantasy, DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, you'll definitely want to take advantage of the convenience to bet wherever, whenever with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. This week, DraftKings has a pro basketball promo you won't want to miss. It's simple. Bet on Philly to win. If they score 76 points first and end up losing, you get your bet back up to $25. That's big with a bucks on tap. Christmas Day. Plus, DraftKings is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know that your funds are safe and secure. And if you're already betting in PA, bet with another book and take advantage of DraftKings' great sign-up offer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use our code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet just for signing up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with our code CROSSINGBROAD to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Big Bet Bob. What's up, man? I'll tell you what. Good weekend for Big Bet Bob in Week 16. Speaking in the third person, all right. Yeah. How, good, how how good was it? A little little ten and five Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. Again, that's do, a do the math. That's a sixty six percent. Yeah, rolling here. That's a twenty six and uh, twenty six and ten the last two weeks. Whoa! Yeah. You better get over on CrossingBroads.com. Yeah. Respond to some of those uh, yeah, commenters. Uh, yeah. Twenty two and ten. Yeah, okay. bad math. Anyway, yeah. So I like uh, tonight in this Monday night football game. I actually like the Vikings a lot. Um, they're a four and a half point favorite currently. Uh, Green Bay actually getting seventy percent of the money across all reporting markets right now. Uh, it seems like a lot of points. You know, you go, man, like Aaron Rodgers is a four and a half point underdog to them. To the Vikings, to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is terrible on Monday Night Football historically, I believe. Uh, he's 0-8 in those situations. I got to be honest with you. I look at this. Um, Vikings are outstanding at home. Uh, 13-8-1 ATS mark is a home favorite of at least four points under Mike Zimmer. Uh, really just a dominant home team under Zimmer since he's been uh, in Minnesota. I-, I think that the line's actually telling you something. I think that they're baiting people into taking the Packers tonight. I'm going to lay the points with the home team and take the Vikings to force Green Bay to win over the Lions in Week 17 to wrap up the NFC North. Go sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Throw down some money. Follow the advice of Big Bet Bob. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's let's take a look at at the game ahead. I know that going into the break, I said, oh, let's come back to Dallas. The game's over. Let's look ahead. We like to be at the forefront of the conversation here at the beginning of the week. 
Let's talk about the New York football giants. So, Kev, this is this is where I'm at now. With Carson Wentz the last three weeks, I feel like he's... We've spent so much time since the Super Bowl and since he really got hurt at the end of the 2017 season talking about his ceiling and his potential and always kind of talking about him with qualifiers. Like, if he had the skill position players around him and if he were healthy. But, you know, what he's done now the last three weeks, he's taken away some of that uncertainty. I think if if he would have just finished this season the way that he had been going as we entered the month of December, there would just be, I think, this sense of uneasiness at the quarterback position. But I think that he's, he's certainly quieted a lot of those concerns over the last three, four games. I look at this game, and, and I know that you – you wrote last week that this was not the biggest game of his career, and I, I, mm. I guess I agree with that. You know, but at the same time, I do think that that game yesterday um, is going to do wonders for him and his confidence moving forward. Frankly, and I kind of feel like this Sunday is the same deal. Like I don't expect the Eagles to make a deep playoff run. I don't think that they're a Super Bowl team. I'm not going to try to talk myself into that, but I do think that if he can pull this team from the depths of where they were around Thanksgiving and they finish this, and when I say finish this, I mean go to New York and win Sunday, I think that the feeling around this team, the feeling around this quarterback, people like myself that had some questions about him and and didn't really just blindly believe in his talent, I think we're going to feel a hell of a lot better about what we've observed down the stretch here. This game, to me, is, is significant not just because oh, it puts the Eagles in the postseason. But I think that just the vibe and the feeling and the way that we're going to perceive this quarterback moving forward, I think a lot of it, 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 I don't want to say it rests on this game and his performance in this game, but I think that he took a huge step yesterday and that he can take another huge step on Sunday. Well, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what it is. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I would would dub this part of the season the, the help me help you season. You know, where it's kind of like uh, the purpose, you know, maybe if the goal, maybe if we, you know, if we know they're not good enough to get out of the divisional round, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but we know this this is not a Super Bowl team, but maybe this is, uh, maybe the ceiling here is defeating narratives. You know, maybe there are some narrative defeating wins coming uh, coming up here where, you know, it's not like me and Anthony and, uh, you know, other pro Wentz people or even neutrals, you know, got to dig up stats to say he did this or he did this or he's good enough or this guy's injured or whatever. You know, now, you know, put this on your resume, say that you led a team to the playoffs and a division title in December, you know, and kind of defeat defeat that and, and put that put that to rest, you know, and take it in the next year saying, hey, we're going to have we're going to draft the wide receiver and we're going to clean up some of the personnel stuff here and kind of. Do it. Do whatever you can to help yourself here. I think I think it'd be a great season for Carson Wentz if he can get them to nine and seven and um, at least play well in the home playoff game. I think it has a lot to do with how he's done it. You know, it's these late performances, clutch performances, and I use that word yes, because that was yeah, a, a primary yeah. criticism that I had of him really going into these last three or four games. It, the way that he's done it. It really has quieted a lot of concerns that I've personally had about him. Well, that's what it was specifically. Yeah, it was. It was for you know. It was, it was a kind of like you know, personnel be damned. Just put the team on your shoulders and get it done. You know, and he did that against New York and Washington. And then the goalposts move a little bit, and people like Max Kellerman were acting, and they were saying like, "Well, you know, you know, it was just Washington. It was just New York." But to go out and throw complete thirty-one passes for three hundred yards and a touchdown against. You know, I've, I've, I mean, well, Dallas is seven and seven, but it's a, a high stakes, high leverage kind of game. I mean, did you? I'll, let me let me answer answer a question with a question. Did you feel like yesterday was a game manager type of win for him? 
I didn't. Um, you know, people point to that win that they had in Green Bay on Thursday Night Football earlier in the year and how well he played in that game. I actually yeah. thought that that was a game manager win. Because he only threw, I think he only threw the ball like 20 six or seven yeah and it was game. it was three touchdowns no picks I think he threw for like a buck 90 in that game if I'm not mistaken yeah uh, but yesterday I felt like he was in control of that game like I actually felt good about the Eagles chances because of Carson Wentz yesterday um and you know and I think that that's the thing you listen to guys like Max Kellerman Chris Broussard Skip Bayless these guys that that are on the you know on our TVs all morning talk about what they saw and they were very reluctant to give credit to the Eagles or to give credit to Carson Wentz I mean yeah. I can sit here and tell you that up until four four games ago I had serious concerns and and not that they've all been completely alleviated because they went out and beat the Redskins Giants and Cowboys the last three weeks but you have to give him credit, and I really thought that he he commanded that game yesterday. And so, no, I, I didn't think that that was a game yeah. manager type of performance. No, that's a good word. That's a good word. Command. That's like a baseball term. You guys use that in baseball, don't you? Yes. Like uh, Vinny <laughs> Velasquez had great. Had great <laughs> cross, that's not that a cross, sentence. Uh, cross sport knowledge. Yeah, that's not a sentence paid. I've ever uh, had to jot yeah. down. <laughs> or uh, Zach F. No, let me think. Uh, Aaron Nola had yes. great command of yes. his fastball. Well, listen, to throw thirty-one passes and to complete seventy-seven percent of them i mean that's ridiculous you know well there's also um, and, there's also and he the did point. have a couple tough ones i mean the one to Ar- arthega white side over the middle the touchdown pass to dallas goddard when he well that's one of the nice things about a quarterback who throws high is, is that in that situation you know you get the one tight end almost killed but then you you score a touchdown on another pass like that but i don't know he just looks more comfortable with like quote unquote i don't want to say his guys but uh, without Alshon and the other dudes out there, you know? How many times did we say earlier this year that when he gets around 300 yards, it's almost been like stat padding? It's almost been like the coaching staff has put him in position to have decent stats even though the result's not there. Yeah. And and you look at it after the fact from yesterday's game, and, like, he only throws one touchdown, so on the surface, if you didn't look at the score, you'd say, all right, you know, they were airing it out, they must have been behind, he only gets one touchdown, they probably lose. In this case, like, there were a lot of confidence throws, to your point, that he was making that... Again, this this to me speaks to the trust he's got with this current crop, that they're going to be able to make the play. You know, if you remember earlier in the season, there were moments where people were kind of out on Dallas Goddard because he had a few drops. Um, Zach Ertz, you know, there were there were a couple moments earlier this season where it was like, hey, you know what? Things are kind of turning around with Dallas Goddard. Maybe if if Zach Ertz really, if that, that rumor trade for Jalen Ramsey is an actual thing, then maybe yeah. you can start to turn that page a tight end. Now, all of a sudden, Goddard looks like the guy that that most people thought they were going to get in the draft. Zach Ertz, still as reliable almost as as always. And now, like, you're seeing guys like Arthago Whiteside, who I think people a couple of weeks ago were ready to, you know, put out to pasture with Mac Hollins. All of a sudden, he's actually coming up with, with decent catches. But, like, really, Greg Ward's been this revelation, and I, I don't want to hijack this with institutional arrogance, but, like, Who's responsible for having Greg Ward on the practice squad for the last? No, but two- let me tell. Let me. Here's here's the Greg Ward thing. Like here's what I think happened with that. Um, they come into the season with Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, on the outsides. Nelson Aguilar is going to go back to the slot and play where he played really well in 2017. Like we all agree that Aguilar was really good during the Super Bowl year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nobody's nobody's disputing that. Um, so, you know, thinking then that you have two tight ends that you really like in Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. That's five skill players. You like Miles Sanders. You want to put the ball in his hands. That's six. And you got Jordan Howard, too. So that's seven skill guys before you get to, you know, your fourth wide receiver. You know, I think that they were thinking, look, with what we have here and how we're going to be spreading the ball around, the fourth wide receiver really is not that important to us. 
we like Mac Hollins as a special teamer, and so we're going to keep him on the roster because we think it's redundant to have Greg Ward in a position where Nelson Aguilar is going to be playing, or we're going to line up the tight ends kind of kind of inside anyway. So I, I think that's kind of what the what the thinking was there because they just felt there's a bit of redundancy. But yeah, I mean, as far as talent and playmaking ability and and you know all that raw stuff, obviously Greg Ward's a better player. Yeah, and we saw it in the summer too. I mean, it wasn't like this was like some big conspiracy. Like we all watched the preseason games. I think right, we watched most of them, most of it. And uh, Greg Ward was better than Mac Hollins, who's coming off the injury and still wasn't 100%. And a lot of people were asking that question back then. You know, so it's not like it's a new phenomenon. It's not like people are just now, like, realizing this. Like, people were saying that back in the summer. I think that we tend to be – I read this today, and I like the phrase. We're prisoners of the moment as Eagles fans and maybe as football observers in general – and, you know, you talk about Dallas Goddard, and this is a guy that we're like, oh, he's kind of almost like a bust. He's sort of been underwhelming. And, like, yes, he's the second tight end, but now you look at the stats, and they're starting to pile up pretty quickly for this guy. He eclipsed 50 catches yesterday for the season. He's got 17 catches in the last three games. He's got an outside chance at 60 receptions. And if, if Zach Ertz does not play on Sunday, which at this point looks questionable um, reports being that he has a displaced rib. I mean, this is a guy that could end up with 60 catches, yeah. 600 yards is the second tight end. And I mean, I know that this team runs as much 12 personnel as any team in the national football league, but that's, that's pretty damn impressive. No, it's, well, it's funny. You mentioned like I, recency bias or whatever, you know, I, 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 that, I think that hurt my argument for why I didn't think this was Carson Wentz's biggest game of his career, because I think that, Philadelphia sports fans, for better or for worse, are only able to process things that happened seven days in the past or look ahead to things that are like seven days into the future. You know, we we very much are living in the moment, and it's kind of hard to parse and uh, qualify things that happen any time other than that. But I just thought that, you know, Carson Wentz proved a lot of what people were asking him to prove on Sunday. I thought, I thought he proved that in Los Angeles in 2017. It was a December game. People were asking him to prove it to go out to win a big game. They were on the road. They were coming off a loss. He threw an interception on the first drive in that Los Angeles game. They threw four touchdowns. And his last action was throwing a touchdown on a torn ACL. But, you know, this is a continuation to me. I mean, it, it all helps. You know, again, I think it's a narrative-defeating kind of thing, you know, where you're trying to just give the full – I don't want to say the Foles people. I don't mean that to be, like, derogatory. But I think I give the Carson Wentz doubters less and less to work with. You know, and he kind of clears his mind, and he says, "All right, the Santa Liquido article, you know, the leaks to Josina Anderson, all the Foles and Wentz stuff that I got to keep hearing about." I mean, Carson Wentz is doing a really, really good job of helping himself, you know, and defeating a lot of these storylines so that they really can't be used. I mean, if he goes out and he beats the Giants and they, he plays well in a playoff game at home, then you can't really say that he hasn't done anything in December or late game or you know hasn't been able to make it through a season healthy. You know, so. He's positioning himself to be in a really, really, really good spot going into next year. I like that you brought up the playoff spot, and I want to talk about it. We were going to take a break, but we're not going to now. But I do Playoffs. Want to... Playoffs. <laughs> but I do want to thank our friends, our new sponsor here on Crossing Broadcast, as well as Snow the Goalie and on the Press Row Show. And that, of course, is Odd Logic Brewing Company. They're based out of Bristol, PA, 500 Bristol Pike. I got to tell you, if, if you haven't been out there yet, you need to get there. They're about a month old. They've they've been in business for about a month. And I have to tell you, it was one of the most seamless, stress-free experiences at a at a craft brewery that I've ever gone through. 
Kevin, you like to go to craft breweries quite a lot. You post about them on Instagram yeah. uh, every other day. I love a, sh- a stress-free brewery experience. I'm sure you could talk a little bit about you know the the issues that typically come up at these kind of places where there's a point of sale issue. You're you can't get your tab shut down properly. You have bad service. Things tap out. Odd Logic Brewing Company. It was one of the best overall experiences I've had in a. Not only do they have the vast variety of of brews on tap at any given time they also had nitro cold brew coffee going for those who might have been the designated driver especially at this time of the year very important to have a a dd available and they also had a a couple of uh, craft distilled drinks there as well i I gotta say i'm i'm intrigued by the crowded headspace with pineapples so we got a a hazy double ipa with pineapples yeah last all over over the weekend they had it uh i think it was last Saturday, they were uh, pumping it through fresh pineapples. They're always looking to do things that are new and innovative. Here's something they've got going on this week. Obviously, we've got Christmas Eve, Christmas Day coming up. Kevin knows what Thursday is. Screw your family. Go to the brewery. <laughs> yep. I know I know. Oh, yeah. Kevin knows what's going on. Anthony wasn't too, too sure about what this is. But, of course, the day after Christmas, the 26th, is Boxing Bo- Day. Boxing Day with the Barclays Premier League. Of course... Odd Logic Brewing Company is going to be open from 10 a.m. until 10 p.m. on Thursday, December 26th. They're going to be running all kinds of specials all day for Boxing Day. Of course, action, action starts. They've got, I think, 12 flat screen TVs upstairs, downstairs. Great atmosphere. Uh, they're going to start at 10 a.m. Chelsea, Southampton, 1225 Manchester United and Newcastle United. And 255, they've got Liverpool and Leicester City. Here's why you want to go. You can make a full day out of this with your family. I know a lot of times when people go to breweries, they wonder, you know, is there anything for my kid to do? Is my kid going to drive me nuts? It's a great atmosphere for kids. They actually have an area upstairs set up with video games. Here's why that matters. Because this Thursday from 10 to 10, they're going to have an area open at uh, 2 o'clock from 2 to 5. They're going to have a kid's PlayStation 4 FIFA 20 tournament. So you can take your kid, get them to practice over the next couple of days. Maybe you're getting your kid FIFA 20 for Christmas. Get them, you know, ready for the tournament on Thursday from 2 to 5. And heck, maybe you're the one who plays FIFA in your house. Play against your kid. Practice. 5 to 8 p.m. on Thursday, they're going to do the adult FIFA tournament. So you want to make sure that you go out there. Plus, they're going to have the Biz Empire food truck there all day, 10 to 10. They'll be having beer moses, which I'm sure everybody's going to be uh, raving about, and Dog and Bull Bloody Mary. So make sure you get out to Odd Logic Brewing Company in Bristol, PA, 500 Bristol Pike. It is a must-visit especially in the holiday season. Russ, can I get you to do your uh, Jose Mourinho in a British accent, a British guy saying Jose Mourinho? I don't even know if I have one. Jose Mourinho. Yeah, he's got, because he's got the Portuguese vowels. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I did like an Arlo White on Snow the Goalie and, uh, oh, it looks like San Filippo's calling in. I don't know if we're Uh. supposed to like go to him now. I'm, oh, look, he's on. Great. From his car, I guess. (laughs) Anthony, are you there? So you don't think I don't I don't know what Boxing Day is? Oh, is that what you're trying to suggest? He just had to take over the ad, didn't he? He just couldn't go away. Now you you sit there and you you throw things out, Russ, that you have no idea what you're talking about. Can you give Can you give Give our listeners go right ahead. Give our listeners the history of Boxing Day. We don't have enough time, Anthony. We have 15 minutes, and we need to talk about something that you actually brought up a couple of weeks ago that I was about to credit you for. Oh, what's that? About the possibility of the Philadelphia Eagles winning a playoff game. I already, I already, it's, it's happening. It's done. It's happening. Well, I want to get into it, that. I, 
Can I ask a question? Can I ask a question before we get into before we get into that? Um, What did we think of the Daily News back page cover today? I thought it was awful. I actually thought it was a joke. I mean, to be honest with you. Someone, somebody from the the company said that you know their goal is to be provocative and that it needs to provoke thought. Well, I actually totally disagree with that. I don't think that that back page captured the essence of the game. I don't think that the Nick Foles had anything to do with that game. I don't think that Carson Wentz emerging from the shadow of Nick Foles was a storyline of that game. It just seemed like a cheap way to generate talk and. You know, I know a lot of guys at that that paper and that company, and they're good writers and and all that stuff. But I really felt like that they totally missed the mark with that back page. So the Daily News yeah. back page said Nick Who question mark Sorry, Anthony, real quick. And then at the below that it said Wentz proves he can win a big game too. And you know, so the subheader is you know makes sense. It's not like that was a taboo topic necessarily. I just felt like it was kind of disrespectful to Foles. Yeah, it was. And they, they missed the boat, I think, on that one. And you Look, headline writing is not easy. Um, it's, it's a very tough thing to do. And to their credit, the Daily News usually does a really nice job with their headlines. I think that um, Boop, who does most of their headlines, like I, I think that he, they really, really do a nice job with them. Um, yeah, and, and you t- you know the headline writing in the Daily News too. It's there's there's risk taking that's involved. You know, you're trying to yeah. have some fun. You're trying to walk the line a little bit. It's not it's not dissimilar from what we do on Crossing Broad. You know. Oh, one of my favorite Correct. things growing up when the Eagles would win a game would be to see what the Daily News looked like. You know, that was like a, a thing for me. Yeah, right. the Eagles I was had a big there with you. Big game, or you know, it was a, a big playoff win for the Phillies or Flyers or Sixers. You want to know what's on that back page, but you know, today I I, I didn't do it for me. I think it just cheapens the win a little bit. You know, I think the fact that Nick hasn't been here for, you know, it's almost been more than a year now. And, you know, every time that Wentz is brought up, you got to bring up Foles. Every time that Foles is brought up, you got to bring up Wentz, where, you know, like at some point, you got to let those guys sort of stand on their own. So I think it just kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of cheapens it for me. You know what I'm saying? It's a shame that we're not on the indefinite time period that we would normally be on the podcast version of this show, where I could rip into uh, legacy media and the fact that you know print media like that. There's a reason that it's dying, and uh, part of it's no. because of the Spares. cheap, the cheap uh, oh, shock value God. of what they're going into. Yeah. So. so let's talk about yeah. the playoffs. Yep. San Filippo, are you going to stay on for this? Or are you going to are you going to jump off? I got, a, I got a minute because okay. you know, traffic so, is just fantastic heading down to the arena. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the potential opponents. So we don't want to obviously look past the Giants. It's it's entirely possible that something goes sideways this, this week. But assuming that it doesn't, you've got a Week 17 showdown between the Seahawks and the 49ers. And a 49ers team that had looked invincible for much of the season, their defense has, has really fallen off the face of the earth over the last few weeks. Um, they obviously lost to the Ravens, who are arguably the best team in the NFL. They... They like squeaked out a, a two point victory over the Saints, but they gave up 46 points in that game. They let the Atlanta Falcons run roughshod on them at the end of that game, ended up blowing a late lead. And they let a Rams team that has looked pretty listless throughout the second half of the season put up another 31. I mean, sure, they won the game, but they don't look as invincible as they did. Meanwhile, the Seattle Seahawks are so desperate at running back that they are now in talks. I don't know if it went official yet of them re signing. Uh, Marshawn Lynch to to play running back for them. It, all of a sudden, it almost sets up as if this Eagles team might get a depleted either Seattle or San Francisco at home. On one side, you've got a team that doesn't have a running back. On the other side, you've got a defense that's been falling apart and a young quarterback. 
And I don't want to be the guy to, like, start the fire here, but if you're able to get past that and Deshaun Jackson comes back in the divisional round, all of a sudden that anecdote I, I said last week where, like, the 2010 Flyers started getting guys back in the playoff run, all of a sudden they started turning the tide against Boston, you start to see that kind of thing setting up here because Deshaun Jackson coming back isn't like Nelson Aguilar coming back. This is the big play option that all of a sudden this tuna can offense finally gets the, the ability to blow the top off a of defense. Yeah, real quick, there's a couple things that I'll, I'll say about that. Right now, the if you look at the futures market at DraftKings, actually, to talk about our sponsor for a second, the 49ers are plus 250 to win the NFC. The Seahawks are plus 500. 49ers are a three-and-a-half-point road favorite at Seattle on Sunday night. The 49ers are going to win the NFC West, and they're going to be the one seed. So it's going to either be the Seahawks or the Minnesota Vikings that have to come to Philly in that opening round. I'd feel a hell of a lot better if it were the Seahawks. I've been saying this for the last month and a half now, really since Seattle came into Lincoln Financial Field the first time. They're not a good team. They're a mediocre team that's propped up by a good quarterback. The defense is suspect, vastly overrated. Their run game has been completely thrashed, devastated by injury now. Marshawn Lynch does not scare me. The Eagles will be a favorite in that game, and they will win that game. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, if it shakes out that way, I'd be wary of the Vikings. Vikings are a sound team. They'll have that revenge factor from a couple years ago with the Eagles. That would be a concerning opponent for me, but the Eagles will, will handle the Seattle Seahawks, if they have to come here in two weeks, Bob, could, you could you could preach all night with that. You could preach all night because that's exactly what's going to happen. The Seahawks are a shell, a shell of what the 49ers are. They really are. And San Francisco, I know there's been a lot of talk about their, their defense has been a little bit banged up uh, over the last few weeks, but they've also played some really good teams. And you know, you, you, you mock Atlanta, but boy, Atlanta's played some really good football uh, in the second half of the season beat a few good teams. Okay, Atlanta's not just beating the 49ers. Um, they, beat the, they, they beat the Saints as well, right? Yes, so, they I did. Mean, it's, 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 yeah, so, I mean, the 49ers have played some really tough teams, and they're playing with these tough teams. Lost to Baltimore by three on a last-second field goal, beat the Saints in the Superdome. The Rams were playing for their playoff lives, and they beat them in a close game and lost to a, 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 a surging Atlanta team. The 49ers are good. Um, the Saints are good. The Vikings are. are... Oh, we there he goes. <laughs> oh wait! Oh, oh there he is. He's back. Yeah, the, the Packers don't scare me, and the, and and the, and the Seahawks don't scare me. So, I, it's the Forty Nine. If the Eagles win the division next week, they will beat Seattle. But then I don't see how that they can go into either New Orleans or San Francisco in week two of uh, the playoffs and win that game. So I think that's probably where it ends. Does anybody have a concern about Sunday? Like, I, I felt ultra confident a week ago that the Eagles would beat the Cowboys, and there are some things that I can give you that, that make me feel a little bit better about this. Eagles are 14-2 and two as a favorite against NFC East opponents. They're 6-1 and one as a road favorite against division opponents. Uh, since 2017, they're 13-5 and five in games played in December or later. I mean, they are an excellent late-season team under Doug Peterson. They excel in the division as a favorite. They should win this game. They're six and one against the Giants since Peterson took over. Is anybody scared by the fact that Saquon Barkley went for like two hundred and forty yards yesterday between Yeah, it's the, kind of a weird and it's kinda of weird game too. Yeah, with Christmas in the middle of the week with the holiday yeah, in the middle of the week. You I'm know, telling you, you man, don't, you don't like, really have like you don't really have like a you know, like a real preparation week like a normal week like you've like you've had, like you like you have had. So I don't know, man. I don't I don't think Sunday's a slam dunk, so just to balance out all the takes, I'll go Negadelphia and say I'm a little worried about it. But I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, gentlemen. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with I'm with Kevin on this. I'm I'm absolutely with him. I you know, uh, Jones yesterday, 28 of 42 passing, 352, five touchdowns, no picks. First rookie to ever throw five touchdowns without an interception in a game. I mean, he was extremely impressive. Saquon Barkley, the way that the Eagles secondary tackles, every time he touches the football, he he's a threat to score. I mean, defensively, the Giants do not concern me at all. But, you know, not for nothing, if we go back two weeks ago to that Monday night football game in Philadelphia, the Eagles had to win that game in overtime at home. So I'm not supremely confident that the Eagles are just going to show up next Sunday and and get it done. I think that this is a focused team. I think that this team's playing for one another right now. Um, And so that being said, I, I feel like they will win the game. But, yeah, I'm a little bit nervous about it. Here's the other problem, though. It's it, You look at... What is the current form of the team you're about to play against? And the, the, the Daniel Jones effect is real. You know, like I, I know that there were some people who were hoping that Eli Manning was going to get to finish out the season because the Giants had nothing to play for. You would hope that maybe Eli gets over 500 for his career and, and like can go into the Hall of Fame and, and not be one of. He is going in the Hall of Fame. Well, he will, but he'll be what? One of one. He'll be the third quarterback all time to go into the Hall of Fame with a losing record. He'll also be the third quarterback in that draft class that's going to go in the Hall of Fame, too. Which is lovely. Yeah. So, OK, you're a Giants fan. That's correct. Sitting on that side of the glass. We we got you a Christmas gift, which was very generous of us, considering the fact that it was. you're a dirty, stinking Giants fan and a Braves fan. <laughs> what, the breaks. what do you expect from your team? You watch every game, so tell us. what You literally don't know what you're going to get. You don't know if it's the Daniel Jones that throws five touchdowns or the Daniel Jones that fumbles at every other pitch. You don't know if Saquon Barkley is going to go for 189 or 60 yards. You, you don't know who's going to get the ball. Look at the Giants-Eagles game the other day. Slayton killed it, and then what did he do yesterday? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, 154 yards against the Eagles Nothing. first time. So this is like one thing that I, I think is going to be a good – like this is obviously going to be something that's going to be featured on every graphics package in this game. We're going to have Miles Sanders, who's been on an absolute tear, against and the guy Saquon he used to Barkley. back up in Saquon Barkley. And if you don't think that those guys are going to take that competition seriously against each other, I think you're nuts. Like I think that's going to be something where – you hope that Miles Sanders doesn't get the jitters, right? Like he doesn't try to force it where those fumble issues from earlier in the season come back to bite him. You just hope that like that doesn't throw him off. Hey, here's one thing I'll say. The Giants are playing with fire here. I mean, they win yesterday. That's all fine and well. They go from being potentially having the second pick in the draft this year to the to the fourth. And they have like four or five other teams mixed in there that are currently sitting with four to five wins right now. Like they are dangerously close. The falling down to like seven or eighth in the draft, and like they can well, feel good about being four and twelve, or they can feel good about being five and eleven. Like if I'm the Giants, like that's enough. I'm good. Like uh, I want that I mean, top five I think pick. Already man. Lo- I think they've already lost Chase Young at this point. Um, I mean, we couldn't tank like the Bengals this year. I mean, they literally already have Joe Burrow's probably in there right now working on the playbook. But I think for them to be able to actually stop the Eagles from getting in, but on the worst case scenario, the the Cowboys get in. So I mean, either way, I think they're toast. But well, th- that's I, the I, other. I, I don't think they're going to dog it though. That's the other problem here too. Is like, re- independent of this result, it feels like I know that we don't believe in Dallas, right? But my my whole thing is. Dallas is going to go up against a Washington Redskins Dallas team is going that, to win on that, Sunday. that looked yeah. like garbage well, and, is now, Haskins is out. and is now yeah. without Haskins. So now all of a sudden it's like unless you Case Keenum is going to start yeah, that Case game. Keenum's going so to start. unless the idea here is that like Case Keenum is trying to stake his claim to be the starter next year and he plays unbelievably motivated football, Dallas is probably going to go and win that game. You have to win this one if you're the Eagles. And 
you know, you have to hope that that Doug Peterson, who's been good at motivating the troops, is able to get them to get over the Christmas hype and get ready to play this game. I, I'll tell you right now, my feeling, my early in the week feeling is that they will they will win the game. I don't know that they're covering four and a half, though. Uh, I, I, I will tell you that. that. Are we going like a last second I, I Jake think, Elliott redemption field goal? I, God, I, think I hope they not. do, guys. Yeah? Guys, I think they, I think they do cover the number. Oof. I think that this is an easy win for the Eagles. Write this down, guys. Yo, Lennox, write that timestamp down for next week. I got it. 658. I've got the it. Eagle, the, the Eagles win this game by two touchdowns. Oh, the Giants might hang in a little bit. Listen, the Giants might hang in a little bit early, but I think Bob already pointed out, right, that ultimately they don't want to fall further down in the draft. For what purpose? Right? There's nothing to it, like nothing to that. I think that the Giants may be hanged for a little bit. The Eagles are going to stay focused. They know that they've controlled. You've seen it, right? They've been playing like a focused team for a, a little bit now, especially in the second half of games. But, you know, the entire Dallas game and then in the second half of, of Washington and, and uh, you know, in the Giants game, this is a team that recognizes what they have to do to win. This is a coaching staff that recognizes what they have to do to win when the games, when the chips are down. They're going to go in and they're going to beat this team in New York. I don't think that this next Sunday scares me a little bit. I, All right. I, maybe I'm crazy, well, but I think the point is we'll crazy. We'll find him. out. We'll find out this weekend. Make sure you check in next week. We will be back next week for Crossing Broadcast. The time we're not sure about, so make sure you follow us over on Twitter, at Joy on Broad, at Anson Philly, at Bob Wankel CB, at Kevin underscore Kincaid. We'll talk to you again next week. Hopefully the Eagles win and lock up this division, head off to the playoffs, and make Ryan Lennox cry thanks to him on the other side.